Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Moving Right Along, a Muppet Movie podcast brought to you by ToughPigs.com. It's the podcast where we watch the Muppet movie two minutes at a time and talk about it a lot. I'm your host, Anthony Strand. And I'm your other host, Ryan Rowe. And we are joined today by a very special guest star. Tell the audience who you are, special guest. Uh, hi, I'm Tansy Rainer Roberts. I am a science fiction fantasy author. And I am also a one of the co-hosts of the Verity podcast, which I believe is where you found me. That's right. Um, it's 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 my favorite Doctor Who podcast, and uh, and I listen but, to a lot of Doctor Who podcasts. <laughs> it's also my favorite. So, I, well, I, yeah, I, would, I would hope so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, thank thank you so much for being here. And today we are talking about minutes eighty seven and eighty eight, getting into the home stretch of the Muppet movie where we begin with Lou Lord offering the Muppets a standard rich and famous contract, and we continue through the whole first section of The Magic Store, the closing number of the film. So first I want to talk about Lou Lord, Orson Welles. I counted, it's 14 seconds before anyone says anything in these, in these two minutes. He thinks about it for a very long time. So my question for you guys is, is, is that suspense of will the Muppets get a film contract, is that worth dragging out for 14 seconds? Um, that's a good question, because we it's this far into the movie, we have a pretty good idea that they are going to become Hollywood stars, uh, especially because they already have gotten past the major threat of Doc Hopper. So it's not necessary at all, but it, it, it's... I think it's fun that, that you just have to sit there and, and watch Orson Welles think about it for 14 seconds. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, as far as an actor's presence, too, like what he is able to do with that, that the gravitas of him sitting there and having that. And, you know, I, I should put out, I was watching these minutes. I haven't watched the movie as a whole for a few years now, so I was coming to it reasonably out of context. And, uh, yeah, it, it's, it is a very powerful moment. And a lot of it has been about setting them up with these happy, wondrous dreams and then crushing them a little bit. And he looks like he's going to crush them. Like, there's tension. Yeah, he yeah. does seem very suspicious at first or skeptical. Yeah, I do, I do love that moment where he looks down at his intercom. Like, he's, like, it looks like he's considering calling security or something. Mm, I didn't yeah. even think right? about that. He tells Miss Tracy, you know, like he, we know that's what he ends up doing is telling Miss Tracy to write up the contract. But when he glances down at it, there's this moment of, is he going to kick him out? Is like, has this all yeah. been for nothing? Is Kermit going back to the swamp? Absolutely. Uh, it, it, it does. There's the, and the fact, the fact that it's Orson Welles, like, can we talk about that as well? Yeah, I'm yeah. sure you may have previously talked about this, but it's freaking Orson Welles. <laughs> Yeah, it's a very good choice to to play this role, and he, like you said, gravitas is a good word because he he has yeah. one line, and he's only on screen for probably less than a minute total. But he, yeah, I mean, you you really get that the Muppets are intimidated by this guy. Well, and like I had no idea who he was when I was a kid, and I still he's he's just very impressive. He's just, like you like you said, gravitas. He's a very impressive presence. So even as a little kid it was just like, wow, there he is, Lou Lord. Yeah. That's probably a real movie executive, you know. <laughs> <laughs> or something. 
it, it's one of those things, isn't it, about coming back and, and watching these things as an adult and realising how much more there is to it than you may have noticed as a kid when it's just like, this is a cool story. And then you come back and like, oh, hang on a minute. Like thinking through the people that they bring in and the uh, the level of the level of kind of uh, status that the Muppets had at this point. Like they kind of did. They they were really a big deal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is this is when the Muppets kind of ruled the world for a couple of years. This is yeah, pretty much the peak oh. or the yeah or the plateau. Uh, and to show that status that the Muppets have, uh, they are rewarded by Orson Welles here with a standard rich and famous contract, which is a phrase that I've always loved. And also just the perfect, beautiful fantasy wish fulfillment ending. Absolutely. You- it's it's so easy. They He hasn't seen them audition. He hasn't. He He's only heard Kermit speak. It's just this ragtag group of creatures and hippies. <laughs> And he just kind of looks at him and says, okay, yeah, rich and famous contract. <laughs> like that's a thing. Right, yes. right. That's, that, that's how you become a movie star. You stroll into an office and are awarded a rich and famous contract. Although actually, I mean, yeah, there, there are plenty of celebrities today that I can only assume that's how they became famous, you know, considering yeah. the lack of talent. It does, it does make sense. Uh, you know, sometimes the standard rich and famous contract must be just pulled out of a hat quite randomly. Right. Like, and you might get a balloon. You might get a contract. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> and once um, you have the contract, there's no going back until you're rich and famous. Absolutely. I like to talk about Kermit's face because as soon as the announcement is made that they get their standard rich famous uh, contract, everybody else like is so excited and they're so happy and they're bouncing up and down. And we just get this, long zoom at this moment again it's another moment of silence really but on kermit's face and just the level of i just you know because he's a muppet and i love the muppets and i take them very seriously but i just love that this is the kind of shot that would be in a a human movie it's just this moment of emotion expressionless emotion on his face right well he's really is contemplating the enormity of what's happened Right, he's come such a long way. He's had yeah. this kind of vaguely defined goal in mind, and here like, now it has happened. He did it. What now? Yeah, it's for everyone so else, emotional. it's yeah, for everyone else, it's the party, and for him, it's like it's it's a little bit of relief, and uh, yeah, I think also a little bit of like feeling the the weight of the moment. But from a, a craft point of view, it's just really interesting too, because like in when you have a human acting, a moment of stillness in a film is a really effective thing. And that's what they're doing here. But, like, he's a Muppet. So, like, stillness really should be – is the def- we always think of the default, really, because it means right. no one's having to do any work here. They're just holding very still. Um, but it's just that thing where you, you, you forget that the Muppets aren't human. Right. Well, and I think that that is a testament to Jim Henson's skill as a performer. Yeah. Absolutely. Because, Absolutely. Like, like you say – the, the puppet still, he's kind of doing nothing, but what he's doing is making sure that this very complicated expression is kept on this puppet's really expressionless yeah. face. <laughs> like, like it's directed as if, yeah. And, and, and I think that's part of why that sense of reality of the Muppets is just because everybody involved 
just takes it so seriously and plays it straight, including right. the, the cinematographer is playing it straight, is shooting it as if – but it's it's just such a, like, silent, emotional oh, – it's not silent. Obviously, there's, you know, happiness in the background, but it's just this moment of, yeah. Again, it's it's gravitas. It's Kermit a- acting opposite Orson Welles. Orson and- Welles has just been on the screen and Kermit is, like, stealing the show from him. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. it. That's that's the movie. Yeah, you're right. Huh. Um, I I will say though about all the other characters celebrating and jumping around, I really love Gonzo. We can hear Gonzo yell, "Oh, Camilla!" Yeah. As they're celebrating, which I like, I think it's adorable that he just like wants to hug his girlfriend and like scream her name in joy. Because. Their relationship is so great. Like they are hashtag goals, right? Like they're right. just. Oh, exactly. We, uh, I've, I've mentioned this on the show before, but my wife and I actually had them on our wedding cake. Oh, well, that's so <laughs> lovely. Oh, and, you know, it's one of the, I think it's one of those aspects that has been lost in later Muppet stories. Like the whole, you know, whenever we, we return to the Muppets in various things, it's always the, the on again, off again, problematic, occasionally toxic relationship between Miss Piggy and Kermit that everyone returns to. But like Gonzo and Camilla, they were they were just such a big part of, of it all. Like and and yeah, it's like I don't know, I, I feel like that gets lost a bit in the more modern versions. Yeah. We've seen a lot less of her in the past thirty years or so. There's, a, yeah. there's an episode of the twenty fifteen series where they get back together, isn't there? Oh there, really? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Which is like, I, I mean, it's on the other place. hand, that implies that they broke up at some point, which isn't great. But you know, it was well, nice that they acknowledged the relationship. Well, yeah, they had they because that show switched showrunners midway through the season, right? And there was an episode early on about Gonzo like doing online dating. Oh right, yeah. And then when the mm. second showrunner came in, she went out of her way to bring Camilla back. That's right. Which, that's amazing, yeah. and I love that. Yeah, it's great. I actually oh. haven't seen that series. It's one I'm going to have to track down. I've watched the, the the recent movies, but I haven't watched any of the the last couple of. Yeah, I need I to sort of. I think it's a little more uneven than the movies, but the good stuff is very good. Yeah, I will I have to. Accurate. I would recommend checking it out. So, um, so in this movie, after um, Kermit remains perfectly still for a I, little while, I actually have two things before we move on to the next scene. Oh. If that's what you're. Sure. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Um. So, um, it, as we just said, um, it's remarkably easy for them to get this rich and famous contract from uh, Lou Lord, and there's actually a little sort of lost to history uh, footnote to that. There's an animator named Darren McGowan who worked on a bunch of projects for Nick Jr., PBS Kids, and various other networks and studios. And in 2004, he had a meeting with the Jim Henson Company in which he pitched them some concepts for animated series based on the Muppet characters. And one of them was called Muppet 75. And the idea, so the pitch was, ever notice how easily the Muppets got that standard rich and famous contract from Orson Welles at the end of the Muppet movie? Well, it's made clear here, just two seconds after the film ended, Wells was an escaped lunatic posing as a movie exec who gets captured <laughs> by guys in white coats and taken back to the asylum. This leaves our Muppets on the streets of Hollywood, pen- penniless, broken, and trying to get by in the 1970s. So that would have been the concept of that series. Obviously, <laughs> the Henson Company did not buy the series, like, but it would have been interesting. 
I can I can imagine it as a short or something. I don't know that it can sustain a series. I don't know. Yeah, and I guess the idea was... It's a funny idea. It's a funny idea. Yeah, I guess the idea was by the end of the series, you would see how they actually became movie stars. It, it's kind of interesting as an, as an AU concept. It's just something you can sort of see happening today as a... Um, you know, an end of the credit sequence, like, um, you know, the Marvel movie sort of thing. Uh, so, like, how, if you stay till right to the end of the, the credits, you see the little scene where he gets carted away and he's not a real executive. Um, I don't know that it would go as far as then suggesting that they don't get to keep their, their contract because I think, you know, it, they're the Muppets. They, they deserve a bit of jammy luck at the end of a movie. Right. But I could definitely see a shot of Orson Welles being carried away as being something that plays right at the end of the credits. Yeah, it yeah. can play as kind of like a PS. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, also, the other thing I was going to say, maybe we should mention about the rich and famous contract, it shows up again in the 2011 Muppet movie. Yeah. Uh, Stetler and Waldorf show it to Chris Cooper when they're all in Kermit's office towards the beginning of the movie. And it's the, there's some kind of fine print that allows for, like, because his Chris Cooper's character is buying the Muppet theater, and if According to the fine print, if they can get $10 million to buy it back by a certain date, they get it back. Is that how it works? I, I believe that's right. It's a strange yeah. thing to be included in this contract at a movie studio. <laughs> well, it is. But as we've learned in the Muppet universe, uh, contracts are a, a very different kind of science to what we have right. here. Right. If, um, if this is how they got the contract. They can put whatever nonsense in it they want. Like... It's all it's all silly. Right? That's true. See, I'll now I want to pitch for the Muppet Law TV show where they just talk about like, <laughs> which is just basically about the Muppets being a legal firm dealing with all these like contracts and. Yeah, got, that would that would be fascinating. I got to be honest, would watch. <laughs> I would I would watch that too. You know, because all the TV shows these days, most of them are it's lawyer it's lawyers, doctors, or police, right? All of those would be better with Muppets, right? I, yeah, I agree. Um, so was, was, was that it, Ryan? Did well, you have anything else? So my other note is, um, and I don't know, we may be coming down to the last of our excerpts from the, the, uh, perennial favorite June 12th, 1978 draft of the screenplay, but there was one small difference here. Um, during this moment where all the Muppets are celebrating, the camera would move over to an open window next to Lou Lord's desk. And there's a rainbow coming through the window and hitting a pot of gold sitting on the floor and like the gold <laughs> sparkles in the rainbow which would have been funny and a cool shot i'm sure but it, it kind of would have i think upstaged the rainbow that we're about to see in a few minutes so it's just as well that they got rid of that one it is and i think i think part of the reason that maybe wouldn't have worked is because it focuses a little bit too much on the money side of rich and famous oh yeah yeah and let's face it with the muppets i mean yeah you know they they want celebrity and they want showbiz success. And that, while money is often part of that and is used, you know, expressively as part of their stories a lot of the time, it's not their focus. Well, maybe Miss Piggy. But even she wants to be famous more than she wants to be rich. Yeah. Right. And so I think, yeah. And that was kind of running through that draft of the script. Like where, where Kermit tells Doc Hopper he wants to make millions of people happy, in that draft he says he wants to be rich and famous. Yeah. yeah, that was Which, a common thing when, when it came time for them to to do the, the final draft of the script. They did kind of get rid of, or not get rid of, but they downplayed the rich and famous part and 
kind of played up the millions of people happy stuff. Yeah. And that, that makes sense because it's, it's, it is a very emotional story and it is much more about getting to live your dream. And the thing about the rich aspect is that it's not as personal. Like it's not just that they want to be rich. They want to become rich by being famous, by doing what they love. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And that is a nice segue into the song, The Magic Store, which takes up the rest of this clip. We uh, we start with Kermit. So he's now alone on a soundstage. And he says in his head, just look at all this. How did a frog make the big time? Which is a, not, not a Kermit quote that people talk about a lot, but is one that I really love. It's such a – Kermit always has this humility to him that he carries yeah. through. And it's right there in that line. How did a frog make the big time? And yeah. that's kind of his persona for his entire career, I think. Yeah. Uh, by the way, this uh, from what I've gathered or what I've read, this sequence in the soundstage was filmed at CBS Studio Center Stage 15 in Los Angeles, which is still there. And there's a link on the CBS Studio website if you want to rent that for your production. So, <laughs> Or maybe like a really big birthday party. Or if I just want to reenact this scene in the Muppet movie. Yeah, get all your friends yeah. together. Sure. Um, so we've, we've talked a lot about how Kermit represents Jim Henson and how Kermit is a stand-in for Jim in the movie. And in this song, I think that barrier dissolves completely. Like, huh. because he's, he's yep. especially, especially at the beginning, the lines are describing a human child. They're not describing a frog, right? A show-off at school, ignoring your homework, you work to the mirror, Kermit doesn't have homework in the swamp, I, I, I don't think. But he's not talking about Kermit. He's talking about Jim Henson, right? Although, I mean, is was Jim Henson like a cut-up at school? I, I get the impression he's he was always relatively mild-mannered. Well, yeah, I, I don't know. But I don't think – I mean, maybe, maybe he's just talking – maybe it's the audience. Maybe it's like the kids at home are doing this, and that's why Kermit's saying it. Or just the general sort of, like, artistic impulse, I guess. Yeah. It feels autobiographical. Like, whether or not it is, it really feels like this is the story not only of Kermit, but of the creator. And it might be all the creators, not just Jim Henson. But but I also agree about the thing of the audience. It feels like it's a universal – this is for the showbiz kids out there or the people who want this. And it's it's like drawing everybody in this big universal thing. You know, I my kids are drama kids. Uh, I, I it it feels very like a a real story that's that's very relevant and is still as relevant now. Um, but yeah, the way it is presented, knowing as I actually do very little about Jim Henson's early years, um, you'd pick it as as autobiographical. It reads as if it is. Right. Yeah. That's that's how I've always felt. Because, like, I mean, it's it's the one moment in the movie that I think, like, doesn't work on a character level for Kermit. Like, these just don't seem like things that Kermit would have done, but they make sense on a more universal level. So I've always been fine with it. Yeah. yeah. It makes sense emotionally. but right. it, and exactly. it, it Yeah. And it can as easily stand for all the other Muppets, too. I mean, just at the same time, we're watching this empty stage slowly fill up with stuff and with his friends and with the story of them. So it's it's like these next few minutes are actually symbolic. It's it's reminding you of the of the entire movie so far. It's it's right. nostalgia upon nostalgia. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um. So what I wanted to talk about then, as, as the friends come in, 
um, we see them kind of slowly, they're riding in on a series of cars. Fozzie's driving a tractor. Oh, can I mention one other thing, though? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, so Kermit is sitting on a stool here. Oh, yeah. It's a, a very wide shot, and there's no visible puppeteer, but he's moving very expressively. So, oh, that's true. Yeah, it's one of those how did they do that moments where you might not even really think about it the first time you see that because, of course, it's Kermit. Yeah. He sits on a stool. But um, this, I think, is the same as what they've done in some other productions where they put a mirror inside the legs of the stool that are facing out. So the mirror um. then reflects the other legs back. So you think that you're seeing all four legs of the stool but you're just seeing some of the legs reflected back onto each other and the puppeteer can hide behind it. That's so interesting. Yeah. Cause yeah, I totally looked at him on the stool and even knowing like, this is the movie where we first see Muppet legs for the first time. <laughs> um, that's, you know, something I relegate to like earlier. It's like, wow, that, yeah. Cause the shot that really I noticed was the one where he's sitting there and there are all the mirrors behind him. Yeah. It just as a really effective. Well, which, I love- yeah. I love it because it's like infinite Kermit's extending out forever, making millions of people happy. Right? Like yeah. that's, that's the, that's the mirror, like the scene with the trifold mirror. I, There's I love a that. Kermit for everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, thank you. Thank like, I, I should not have skipped that. So thank you, Ryan. Yeah. And there's actually, um, there's a, a clip out there somewhere from one of those play along videos where they actually, demonstrate how that's done with like a, a a one-shot Muppet character who sits on a stool and tells the audience how they do it. We'll have to see if we can find that and put it in the show notes. Yeah. See if we can find the clip online. So why do we think Fozzie's driving a tractor? <laughs> <laughs> um, somebody had to, and Fozzie, you know, we know that Fozzie's an okay driver. That's true. Fozzie does have the most experience driving. I guess Dr. He will drive anything. <laughs> yeah, right. And Dr. Teeth wanted to hang out with the band on, on that cart. So, um, but yeah, like I think Tansy, you mentioned the, they're all carrying all these props that look like things from the movies. Do, do either of you have anything in particular that jumped out at you like visually on this? Um, oh, I'm trying to think, I don't want to separate too much into this part rather than the, um, the next section, which I think has more. Uh, but yeah, as they're starting to, 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 pull all the, the the bits and pieces together um actually no well something i did want to it doesn't answer your question which i think ask me again for the next segment uh okay. but i love the fact that they have the standard rich and famous contract they are now movie stars but they're clearly like doing their own scene moving they're doing all <laughs> the behind the scenes work yeah like, i wrote that down are- like Lou Lord is actually getting a really great deal because not only are these all these Muppets, all the actors in the movie, they're also all the crew. They really are. I mean, I kind of wonder if they're getting paid movie star money for the long hours they put in painting the sets and moving them around. Uh, I mean, because that's that's lovely if that's true. Uh, but yeah, they're like really, they're very hardworking celebrities. Right. Well, and what I love about, so they're built, they're making their own scenery and scene, doing the scene moving and stuff. I love the, the low key handmade charm of these props. Yes. Like they just, they, they look like a school play or something. Mm. And particularly Scooter is sitting on a sign that says the movies. <laughs> Yeah, but you recognize all of these things right away, like the, the the cross and the bell from the chapel and the Worldwide Studios guy with the, the globe. 
you you immediately go like, oh yeah, that's from that part of the movie, and that's from that part of the movie. Right. There's a yeah. there's a there's a wooden Arnie the alligator, like the the alligator from the opening scene. Oh, where is like, that? It's on the it's on the one with Gonzo and Bunsen and Camilla and all them. I don't think I've ever noticed that before. It's I think it might be just like painted onto the scenery, but oh, you yeah, you're right. Huh, yeah, you see is. an alligator, so it's just like our old buddy Arnie the alligator. He's 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 back from terrorizing Dom DeLuise. Nice. And that's the all these sets are clearly made of like like they're actually not movie sets at all. They're theater sets. And oh, that's yeah, what right, exactly. do my head in as a child, particularly much more, I think, with Muppets Take Manhattan, which I think I thought about way too much as a child. Um, but just that whole thing of the reality, like what is it that we're actually watching? Because Mu- the Muppets are totally breaking your sense of reality of what's happening. And it's like, well, if they're making the movie that we just watched, the, the stuff doesn't look like the things we saw in the movie because clearly the movie we watched was live action, and the one that they're making here is much more of a almost cartoon theatrical version of the same thing. So, did we imagine that the movie was like better than it was, or is this part of the magic of the movies where the set, you know, it looks like it's a three D uh, church, well, but actually it was a piece of cardboard? When you light it properly, it yes. looks like a real church outside. I, I I guess I've always assumed that because yeah, like you say, we know that the movie that we're watching is the movie that the Muppets made about themselves because they're also watching it in the screening room along with us. Uh, But so I guess when they made this movie about themselves, they also shot this scene about themselves making a movie about themselves. (gasps) Right. It's it's like, it might be, how many levels is that? Three, four? (laughs) So meta. Because then it's, it's also like, we are watching a movie called the Muppet movie that we know was made by Jim Henson and James Frawley and the gang. So yeah, that might See, be four levels down. I'm not so, sure. I'm pretty sure as a child, this introduced me to levels of philosophy that I was not ready for. Yes, it's very <laughs> meta. Well, and, I, and maybe that's what that shot of Kermit at the mirrors represents, is all the little narrative levels in the movie. Yeah. yeah. Look, I've just actually been rereading um, Moving Pictures by Terry Pratchett. Uh, I don't know if either of you are familiar with, with Pratchett, but this particular um, novel um, is about the idea of Hollywood and the movies coming to the Discworld, which is a world of magic. And and it, it's all very much, you know, we made the sets out of, of, pli- of you know, balsa wood and, and plywood and we everything is, is fake, but it looks more real than the real thing. And particularly when they make the, the version of the city of Antwerpok, which they're going to burn down for the movie, uh, for their gone with version of Gone with the Wind, uh, it looks more real than the actual city does. Huh. So there's always a sense where Muppet reality is more real than anything else. But it's still, it's theatre reality. And, of course, the Muppets come from the theatre. So, yeah. Right. I don't know. Yeah. I just, yeah. yeah Muppets do you hit so much going on. Also, um, so at somewhere along the way, Robin joined them because he's riding on the the cart with Scooter. He has not been along with them for this journey, but here he oh, is. Is he? I did not notice. Yeah. Huh. When, so the line uh, when Scooter sings "What was once juvenileish," there's a, a higher voice singing with him, and you can you you actually can barely isn't that see just, him. Isn't that just Piggy? No, it's it's a Jerry Nelson voice. It's it's Robin. Huh. He's very small, I, and but he's sitting right next to Scooter on the movies sign. Well, good yeah. For him. 
Well, clearly he had, and this is, you know, clearly he had a different journey to go from the swamp to, to here. And maybe that's what those spin off cartoon people should have been focusing on. Yeah, right. how did Robin, like, get, how to did Robin get there? Robin, um, realized, Robin realized that his uncle had left the swamp and there was nothing for him there. So he took off. That could be really interesting. Like, do you think Robin was like following the trail of Kermit? Like, he went to the El Slizo and he went to Bogan County and trying to track down Kermit. That would be really interesting. Maybe he was in the restaurant and he just escaped. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It just seems to me like Robin would have been very easy pickings. So, <laughs> oh, poor little bud. Yeah. Or he's just been there the whole time walking behind Kermit and nobody noticed. <laughs> <laughs> he is very small. He could yeah. be in the back seat. Uh, you know, you wouldn't. He could be sitting on the ground next between Rolf and Gonzo, and you would never know he was there. Yeah, he's the unpaid intern. He just like he's shadowing Kermit to learn his right. job. Right. Awesome. <sighs> all right. So um, the other thing is the other characters all start singing during this time, and like you mentioned, Ryan, uh, Scooter says what was once juvenileish, and Piggy says is grown up and stylish. Uh, my favorite line in this part is that Fozzie is given the line, you're burning with hope, which describes Fozzie every time right before he goes on stage. Absolutely. That's, that's very true. Right? Um, and, and, like, obviously, we'll talk a lot more about the song, I think, next week, because there's a lot more of it then. But what are some other things? Did, did, did either of you have any other thoughts before we close? Yeah, well, I think because, you know, we're talking about the idea of is this autobiographical for, for Jim Henson? I think it's really important that after the first verse, all the Muppets start joining in. It's it's their story. And very much, I think, the story of the whole Muppet team, not just Henson. Um, I mean, think about it, it's it's I mean, he has the most improbable career, honestly. Like, even at this point, he's clearly standing there looking around saying, well, what happened? <laughs> I mean, his job was reinventing puppetry from the ground up. So the world of entertainment was never the same again. That was his career. And he was very much, you know, at a, a level where it was height, but he brought a lot of people along with him. And that whole team, you know, the, 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 the Muppeteers and the writers, and the, you know, they're all kind of doing their dream job at this point because how is working for the Muppets not your dream job? Uh, yeah. So it's lovely that everybody is joining in with those songs. Uh, and bringing their own – it's the ensemble all starting to come together. And as you said about Robin, um, it's going to be bringing in a lot of Muppets who actually weren't in the story, <laughs> but they're going to be in this number. So right. clearly, like, right. there were a bunch hanging around the studios looking for work who got <laughs> pulled in after the contract. Right. Well, uh, I think, I think yeah. you can't make an entire movie with nine people or whatever it was up, up till this point. 11, yeah. Something like that. Absolutely. And the the line, I mean, apart from the whole like rhyming juvenileish with stylish, which is distressing on many levels, um, <laughs> but it's a really important sentiment. That whole thing because it about are, are the Muppets for kids or are they for adults? And the answer has always been yes. Hmm. But right. this is a very like it's a movie aimed at kids. It's a movie delighted in by adults. It's adults getting to create something that's. Childish and and the idea of a showbiz career, a lot of people think of as being in, inherently childish. As anybody who's ever tried to explain, you're know, wanting to go into a showbiz career to their accountant parents. Um, uh. <laughs> but but Miss Piggy, I thought think the grown up and stylish. It's a lovely line for her. I always like it when Miss Piggy is 
part of the gang because there are so many storylines where she's sort of off on her own and she's obviously very hard to be friends with. But here she's part of the team and she's so delighted in herself. And, yeah, yeah I'm very fond of Miss Piggy. Sure. Yeah, me too. Yeah, anything else, Ryan, before we close? Well, I, my thoughts are much shallower than that. <laughs> but I, I just wanted to mention, so the part where Kermit sings, somebody out there loves you, stands up and hollers for more, and Fozzie shouts, more! I love that part. And <laughs> oh, anytime... because Fozzie loves Kermit. Well, that, yeah. yeah, definitely. But I just I just love that. And every time I'm listening to the song, unless I'm like listening on headphones on the bus or the subway, I can't not shout more along with Fozzie. <laughs> and That's I suspect that the... oh. a lot of Muppet fans do the same thing. Absolutely. And then, yeah. And I just wanted to mention the arrangement of this song. It, there, there's some instruments, like I think some sort of like synthesizer type instruments that do kind of make it sound like it's from the 70s. But I love those too. There's a sound after they say, well, you got a home at the magic store. And it's just kind of like this. Pew, 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 pew. I, I just love that sound. <laughs> it, it's um, a very specific late seventies sort of. Yeah. It's like, they've just, it, 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 they've just invented and or discovered all the buttons on the keyboard. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it feels like it could be like they borrowed it from the disco world, but I, I right. just I- love the sound of that. I was actually just about to describe it as a disco Star Wars sound effect. Yes. Yeah. It's kind of what it is. Um, and that line, the last line of this section of the song, uh, which which comes in beautifully before the, the end of the minute, uh, so we can talk about it discreetly, um, the line, you found a home at the magic store in the song. I mean, that's such a, a huge thing because, like, for a start, the idea of the magic store being, you know, the – I presume the the studio, but also it's it's the same when the Muppets are in a theater. Just this idea of a place where you go and you make magic. Uh, it's 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 Henson Central. Let's let's face it. It's 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 all that. Uh, but also that you found a home because you know the Muppets have always been. It's it's a found family story. Right. Well, and I think I mean in this movie too, specifically in Rainbow Connection the bridge of that song is all of us under its spell. We know that it's probably magic. Oh yeah. Yeah. And Kermit sings that line by himself in a swamp. And that's a song about longing. And here now that longing is fulfilled. He's with his new family. He has a yeah. home at the magic store. He, he found he the magic. Right. He, yeah. he, he doesn't think that it's probably magic anymore. He knows that it is. Yeah. <sighs> what a great movie. It's such yeah. a great movie. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, we will close until next week when we will talk when things are going to get even more magical, I think. <laughs> well, I hope so, after you said that. So, in the meantime, listeners, uh, you can check out toughpigs.com on the internet, Facebook, Twitter, all over the place. You can follow me on Twitter at Zeppo Marxist. You can follow Ryan at me, Ryan Rowe. Uh, Tansy, can you tell our listeners where they can find you on the internet? Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at TansyRR um, or find me on my website at TansyRR.com. All right. Wonderful. And uh, with that, we will see you next week. Uh, if, if you are so inclined, give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Tell all your friends to listen to the show and join us again next time for another Moving Right Along. Goodbye. Boo.